Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and John back here with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast and we are back after taking a week off for the holiday, but uh, it wasn't, uh, definitely wasn't a week off of bow hunting things now. No, not by any means. <laughs> so John has built how many bows in the last, well I guess it seems like forever since we've sat down and done this because, you know, a week and then, a, so right. it's kind of been two weeks since we We've sat down, just took a week off from from publishing a, a podcast, but uh. so pretty much, I've pretty much I built my new bow, rebuilt my old bow, then I kind of did it again. So and you, I I don't know if the last time we, I don't think so we so. didn't have the the green light to say that you were getting a new bow, right? So no, I got the new I got a Hoyt, uh, the new RX RX one carbon. And end up going with just the regular RX one, not the Ultra, and uh, I'm, I'm loving it. Been uh, the last couple mornings, I've been to the Bowman's Club and I shot the 3D rounds, and and uh, it's it's, it's freaking awesome. So you built that bow. What what did you, what's on it? What what is it? So I originally, of? I I took I took the sight off the double uh, XL. Cause I was waiting for a site. You know, I wasn't sure which one I was going to put on there. So I took my carbon, uh, true ball Excel, put that on there just to like start it and up putting a knock on elevate rest and then just the regular Hoyt. I think it's the eight inch, uh, stabilizer. Ended up going with the, um, <clears throat> tight spot quiver and yeah, that's pretty much it. But so I ended up, just setting it up like that at first and it shot shot great right out of the 
right out of the box and have to do any kind of tuning on it, really, with the cams or, or uh, timing, which is probably a good thing because that new cam is kind of intimidating. But I did build a string for it, but I haven't got to the cables yet just because of the, that new system, and I didn't want to play around with it and have it this close to the Total Archer Challenge, so I just pretty much been shooting it like that. I'll, I'll build the, the new cables when we get back. <clears throat> and then the double XL ended up putting the that pro click on that one. That's the trophy taker smackdown. And And that one didn't go on that. You said there was something with the ri- I mean I saw it. It was like it was a, almost not square on the riser that RX one, but you said it was It's yeah, at first I thought maybe there was when I got the bow I thought I put that pro click on there, I thought maybe it was there was something up with the riser, like maybe I got one that was a blem or something, but I went back up to the shop and I looked at all the other ones and they're all the same. So when I put that smackdown on there, it looked like it was sitting on there cockeyed. And the one thing about the the new that smackdown pro click is that it's got a really just light, thin mounting bracket on it, which is not like the, um, it's not like the one that's on your, your Bowtech. That Smackdown has a real thick, solid aluminum mounting bracket all the way through, you know, from front to back. And it's like they're, I don't know if they're trying to save weight on this, but it's, it's, it's pretty thin. And so even when you tighten up, you know, you tighten up the main bolt on it and then it's got the little set screw to keep it from swivel. If you just tighten that a little bit, you can see that whole bracket kind of turn out. So I was originally just going to put leave that on the the Redworks, but if we're going to go out and be banging around out west, uh, I'd rather. I know the the Elevate is a solid rest. It's you know it's AAE. So I just flip flopped them, and this the Double XL is just going to be a target bow pretty much now anyway, a 3D bow. So it's a good rest. Don't get me wrong. It's just I was. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're going for like your overall review is that you like everything about the rest, but it doesn't seem durable enough to be banging around through the mountains. Right. right? It it could definitely be tweaked. I mean, I could grab it and kind of twist it just by hand, so it it'd probably be all right. But I know the elevate is solid, so. I'm going to go with that, and it's green, and it goes good with <laughs> But, but no. And then, so then I end up getting the, um, I got another Trueball XL. I got the AccuTouch. It's basically the same, same site as the Carbon one, but I got it with the, ended up getting the damper, because that's all I had in stock, so. And with the 41 millimeter lens for now, or not lens, but scope, but I have, uh, a five pin coming to because they just swap out so i'll have a single pin which is actually i mean i wanted to have the five pin here to go to the total archer challenge and just you know walk the mountain hunting situation but i'll i know i'll shoot better with just a single pin because we're you know 63 yards no distance 63, yep. known distance right and we're not going to be in a rush but i'll have the rest of the summer to to get the uh, the five get used to the five pin so but 
like I was saying earlier, the last couple mornings <clears throat> at the Bowman's Club, they have the 3D course set up. And so I got up early. Uh, well, the first day was Saturday. I got up early and I put all my f- gear on. You know, I showed up there and the guys were like, I'm all camoed out. You know, got my orange hiking boots on. And they're all like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm coming out to test out my equipment for out west. You know, it's perfect. You know, kind of a damp morning. It's going to be probably that same situation out there. So I shot, I've shot the whole round with my quiver on it. And Well, I, I mean, I must say I was even a little bit taken aback because it was uh, bow tuning and Bloody Mary's on Sunday. And I walk in and John has, I shit you not, a knock-on green uh, solo cup with a Bloody Mary in it. And he's standing there head to toe in Ridge Reaper camo. And I'm like, I didn't know it was that kind of party. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Sunday morning. I'm sorry, it wasn't Saturday. Yes, yeah, Sunday fun day. So I got up early. And of course, it wasn't quite Sunday fun day for you. So that's yeah. a whole that's oh, a whole nother Jesus. story. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 over here right now, uh, in just the grubbiest, nastiest work clothes because I uh, back my brand new camper right through my uh, right through my wife's car, so uh, I'm replacing a radiator uh, as we speak, getting ready for the total archery challenge. So yeah, different kind of Sunday fun day for me. I could use that uh, Bloody Mary when I got over here. <laughs> but yeah, so I ended up shooting around with all you know bino harness all the gear on and then uh, this morning i ended up going and i even i put i i think i got two both bags of my like the pack out bags uh, a bunch of my other gear in there so you know i was wasn't going quite super heavy i weighed it was 23 pounds so put my pack frame on bino harness i even had my hex suit on which luckily this morning was pretty cool because those those don't breathe very well yeah ended up shot a whole round you know 25 targets it's like a 2.1 mile walk you know and it's it's not flat you're going up and down the creek beds and there's stands and stuff so it everything worked out great i was kneeling for some shots and down walking through the you know i was cutting through getting off the path and cutting through the wet ferns just to see how those pants and those Under Armour uh, early season pants are, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with those. They'll be they'll be great for out west. And they'll be good for early season. Actually, pretty much all season out here because I always layer anyway. So they're once you know once the green leaves are gone, I'll stick out probably. But so beyond that, you built your bow, the double XL. Yep. You finalized. You put the new cam and new string on the. Botech Carbon Knight yep. and got that one. We didn't do any paper tuning or anything. Right. We didn't paper tune it, but I, yeah, I got it shooting. I got, the, like I said, new cam, uh, new cable string. Uh, got it shooting pretty decent, but yeah, I didn't paper tune it. And then we ended up swapping out sights on it. Uh, what else did we do? Oh, and then we got Chris's bow, or my cousin Chris. He's going to come up with us and he's, we've talked about him in the past. He's more of the, like, I wouldn't even say, weekend warrior. I mean, loves to hunt, but, you know, working, you know, 
got other things going on. So he's got an older Fred Bear uh, code, the code. And so yeah, it's an older bow, but it's very ill-fitting on him. That's one of the things, like once he's broken out, we started looking at him. Like uh, I took pictures of him and he's got his hand is back behind his ear. You know, he's got a ton of facial pressure. You can see his, instead of a string on the tip of his nose, it's all the way back to his cheek behind his nose. So, I mean, for now, it's, we're just going to have to deal with it. So, I, you know, changed, he had an old tube peep sight in it, and that kept breaking. So, we put a new meta peep in it. Um, built his arrows, got those all built. Those are one of the, um, the sets of the, the outlaws, Black Eagle outlaws. And... Got him shooting pretty good. He was back over today. Um, got a sight tape on it for him. So, yeah, the bow will shoot to about 67 yards, I think. So, it's just, and those are a pretty decent, I mean, pretty light arrow, actually. They're same same arrows you're shooting in the 300 spine, but without the brass insert. So, they're pretty light. I didn't put them on the, the gram scale, but, or grain scale, but... <clears throat> But, yeah, so it's been busy. A lot of shooting. Yeah, a lot of shooting. And uh, it, it, today, I went over, I was at Frank's, and he had his bow out. And uh, yesterday, he and Chris were over here shooting at uh, at John's, and they were at the Bowman's Club shooting as well. And Frank was out to 60 or so yards, but um, his sight was maxed out. He couldn't, couldn't go any farther uh, moving his sight down, so... Um, we took some measurements and got that, that changed. And, um, before we started the podcast here, um, we were, we were talking about that and, you know, we had to do the same thing with my site on, on Sunday. You know, I had a completely different site on that I was using for hunting, you know, when I was out testing all the equipment for turkeys, but like John said, going out, you know, doing the total archery challenge and wanting to shoot, you know, known distances and very far you know as as i didn't want to do any um uh, pin gapping or anything like that i wanted to be a little bit more precise so we switched that over and um so my site was the same way it was set up where putting it on this bow i could only shoot to 83 yards now 83 yards seems like a mile and in, in, in hunting terms it really is but you know we're going out there to be shooting we know a hundred yards plus. I mean, last year we were just saying, uh, before, again, before we started the podcast, that the first shot that we, t- that I took last year at the total archery challenge on the first target was 85 yards across the water at a hippo that you had to shoot between the eyes, you know, <laughs> in the water, in the water. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't, I, I knew that I needed to be further or be able to shoot, be comfortable further than that. So I was able to, because of the equipment on the HHA Kingpin uh, Optimizer Light or whatever it is, um, that's that's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Kingpin. Yep. So I was able to actually take the housing off and move it down. Yeah, the even even like like Chris's site today, we did. He's got the old HHA. Uh, you guys were set in the center bracket or the center of the bracket, so that just limits your you know. It's nice to do it when you're shooting short distance, so that way everything's kind of, you know, plumb level, you know, symmetrical, keeping stuff out of the way. You don't have shit hanging high. 
but when you go to it limits your you know your distance because you can only crank it down so far at that point so yeah so we dropped them down but like with chris's and frank's you just take a reference measurement the only we didn't do it on yours just because well i knew right where it was at centered well and that being said john was shooting the kingpin optimizer late last year and the the most amazing part about that site is it has interchangeable wheels. Now for John, that was good because he could shoot indoor arrows and then heavy hunting arrows. And you have a, a, a sight tape where you already know, and you can just actually take the wheel off and switch it out. Um, but what that allows you to do when you change that is that the algorithm on that wheel didn't change. So I didn't have to take the tape off. I didn't have to move anything um, physically other than just indexing the wheel. So I, undid a set screw, got it on at 20 yards, and then just put the wheel at 20. Tighten back. Tighten yeah. the set screw back up. And yeah. then ran back out. And it, that's the one thing I think that uh, before uh, I really started getting into this, and, you know, back when everything that I bought came from a big box store, is I never looked into the equipment. And it's like, man, as soon as you really get to know your equipment and you get to the level where you see why this one maybe maybe costs that much um it's it's just it's just amazing you know when you when you're able to do that and i'm i'm really quite disappointed because i really at this time was hoping that those other sites that we saw at ata would be out they're just they just haven't gone into production yet you know i've been in talks kind of back and forth with them hoping to get one but i think that that's one of the things where that's the only thing that's going to limit that site in a situation like this for a hunting bow it, it would be great but on that you're not going to be able to move anything you're going to be basically whatever is inside of your housing because everything moves within the housing the housing doesn't move right yeah you're going to be limited to it but what but like you said, though, for a hunting situation, even, you know, you're talking just a minute ago about, you know, pin gapping and stuff. My five pin site is probably not going to move, you know, once I get it set. I'm going to set, it, but that's, you know, five pins, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. When you get, you can pin gap no problem in that, in that range, you know. But when you start getting out to, like you're saying, the 80, and then we know that the, like, Last year, the buffalo was 120. The moose was 110. You know, you're not going to be gapping that. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not going to be. That's just a plain guess at that point. Right. Where and but even if but if your if your site only went to 70, the holdover is yeah, you know, the holdover. You have no idea. Yeah, like Frank and Ernie last year. Like, okay, we see that limb. It's about 10 feet above the moose. That's where I aimed. Aim at aim at that aim at that limb. I'm like, well. You guys got to understand your bows aren't shooting, you know, you, whatever, just do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we definitely are going into it this year with a little more info. You know, I was set up. I mean, I shot the super light arrows last year. And like I said, I could, I actually had a question on my Instagram with the new bow looking at that site. And I, at that point, the picture, it showed the, the carbon AccuTouch on there and can't remember the, the, the guy's name, but he asked, you know, like how far can I shoot? Well, for one, it's dependent on the arrows, you know? So like last year when that site was on the double XL, 
I could, I had, I could clear 150 yards. Not that I could hit it. You know, I, I mean, I did hit the caribou in the practice range. It was 150 yards, but I could dial my pin right to it. And I had enough clearance with that, you know, 420 grain, uh, arrow. Well, now this year I'm going up with my hunting arrows and I'm going to shoot it both, you know, in my, uh, with my RX one, I'm shooting the same arrows with my double XL. Just, I'm not going light. So that's definitely shaving off. Like right now, my and I'm shooting a super small six fletch. So I'm right now. I have a, the double XL set for 111, and I've got enough clearance. I could probably get to 130 with it. So, so I've seen some questions about that as well. So how how are those six fletch flying? I mean, I guess. You, you've, I mean, I'm looking around here. There's every single configuration of three fletch, four fletch, and, and the different sizes. And those fletch seem micro. I mean, they're just tiny. Well, yeah, they are tiny, but they are flying. I mean, just like darts, absolute darts. And I'm not sure. I, you know, it's not like I did a surface calculation on it, but they've got to be about close to what like a regular three fletch well you were just showing me the other day as far as the weight goes how it's how it's odd right yeah like those six fletch are about i think there were six grains less than a regular three fletch and these are the um they are ae they're like the pm 2.0s that that's what i'm using in the six fletch and then I'm using the AE Max Stealth, and they're like a three three inch or a three and a half inch. I'm not sure what the actual. I think they call them a three inch. But so yeah, but if you were to compare them, you know, side by side, the Max Stealth has a huge base on it. They probably have as much material on the base as that whole, you know, 2.0 has. So six of those, you know, are lighter than three of the three of the max stealth. So yeah, I was pretty surprised when I was putting it, comparing the arrows. Cause uh, one of the other things that I didn't get to is I built a set of, I ordered a set of, um, the Eastern axis five millimeter, uh, the, the two sixties thinking, you know, I wanted to go with a little a bit stiffer shaft just to see how it was going to go. I put a 50 grain brass insert, and I built those with a four fletch max stealth. And then I ended up taking my um, old arrows from last year, which were the Eastern Axis 300s. They weren't the match grade or whatever, the pros, but same thing. I've We've got the arrow roller. They're all, you know, straight as I can shoot anyway. And so I ended up stripping all those down. That's what I built the... Um, those patriot looking arrows with the the red white and blue and the and the 2.0s and when i measured them out i was like i was thinking that they were the the ones with the 75 grain brass were going to be heavier but ends up being a little bit lighter just because of the fletching configuration on it so it was that's pretty cool, actually. So, but yeah, I've been shooting both of them out of my bow. There's a couple pictures, like that when I shot the rounds at the 3D, I was I would shoot 
one of the 300s with the six fletch and then I'd go and shoot a 260 with the four fletch and they're pretty much I was you've seen the picture I was if anyone listened looked at the bow hunter you can see where I was like touching each other and then this morning my second round or my second target I ended up same target same target (laughs) (laughs) that's in that one picture with the it's actually an antelope and that one was like a 32 yard shot and I freaking broke a knock off. Luckily, I didn't wreck the arrow. I just broke the knock. But So, they're flying good. So, depending on what flies best with our broadheads, since we're going out, you know, we're, they're, they're both flying great with the, with the field tip. But I'm going to do some more testing with, like we, we talked about that before, with um, the different broadheads. We got your one of these new ones that just came in? Yeah, the Tooth of the Arrow. Tooth of the Arrow. And that's a four blade, and that's like a solid, solid machined head. And then I got my troll cars, and there might be one other one, one or two other ones that we might. Well, there's those ones. um, There's some guys out, I think they're in Washington, uh, either Washington or or Oregon, um, that have those radical broadheads I was showing you. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, they got the stainless steel um, three blade, and then they've got a five blade that looks a lot like a slick trick. And um, they have they have some really really good looking broadheads. Um, so I'm going to order some of those um, and and shoot those. I did shoot the so I <laughs> I bought those tooth of the arrow broadheads and. Um, I shot one of those and I shot one of the uh, dead ringers because that's what I put in my quiver when I was turkey hunting. And man, the, the, the added weight of the arrow, you know, so I'm shooting, I don't know. My arrows are, I think like about 40 grains heavier than they were last year. And then shooting the, the fixed blade. I mean, you want to talk about penetration shooting the, we just have one of the block broadhead targets and uh i mean it was just blowing all the way through like i haven't shot a fixed blade broadhead in a long time i've not shot one you know it's always been just okay we're going to test these and they go in and they go there's good penetration but i mean these are just blowing right through it and like man it's it's really impressive and they flew really good i was only shooting i had that that dead ringer sight and i had it set I knew at 20 and 30 that those two pins were good. And I knew I wasn't going to shoot at any turkeys further than that. So that's just where I was shooting. They're flying dead on right there. And then, yeah. So I'd bought the ones um, just to test and, and try. And it's like one of those things where you buy, you buy broadheads and they're 40 bucks or, or whatever. And then you got to test one and you're going to destroy it or whatever. On one hand, that's really one of the things that's good about the tooth of the arrow because you can sharpen them, you know, I mean, you can buy blades, but then are the blades going to be the exact same? Are they going to fly the same? Are they going to be, there's just so many variables there, but like John said, he said, the new ones that just came in, well, we just got, I have had it for a long time and I just haven't been over here to to show it to John. It just hasn't worked out. And so for the, the may box for the bow hunter box club, there was tooth of the arrow broadheads in there. So kind of one of the things that we've always been saying about the, 
Bowhunter Box Club is like, you know, they give you stuff that you can try before you have to buy it or, you know, buy it at retail or whatever. So, you know, the cost of the, bo- the box is 40 bucks. The broadheads are 40 bucks. So, so everything else so, is a bonus. Right. And so in that box, there was some um, nose jammer wipes, you know, so they're body wipes, gear, and gear and wipes. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. And we're, we're talking about, obviously, you know, planning for this elk hunt. It's like, do you really want to wipe yourself down with vanilla and bear country? <laughs> like, we'll probably, probably. Yeah, I don't know if that's what it actually smells like, but I've heard people talking about like, yeah, it kind of smells like vanilla. Well, I really don't want to be walking around the bear woods smelling like a vanilla donut. <laughs> yeah, so in there, there's the... Um, there's some uh, reload seasoning. Uh, it's pack and heat. It's their signature spicy blend, and that actually got to the Bowhunter Box Club subscribers before um, it was actually released to the public. So um, Jason was really excited about having that um, come through. And then there were there's some uh, dead downwind uh, laundry detergent packet and some dryer sheets, as well as some of the Stinger Honey uh, organic wafer waffles um these are used a lot i mean i've seen them in some of the other boxes like um the cody rich that uh backcountry fuel i've seen them in that box but i see them a lot with like marathoners triathlons um you know people that are looking for lightweight calories um so this is going to be something that we're definitely going to eat and well obviously we're going to eat it but (laughs) we're going to uh you know take a look at it for uh, going out west is for some some energy and then there was a discount coupon in there um for 30 percent off so overall it's listed as like a 70 dollar value so for 40 bucks you know the broadheads are worth it and now i've got the other pack that i can just sh- shoot and you know just kind of see how i like them but like i said overall they flew really good um when i was uh, when i shot them getting ready for going out turkey hunting so um yeah, our our turkey season. John didn't even get out. Yeah. So, um, and then I'd gone out a few times with Frank and uh, had some birds going and just couldn't make anything happen. And um, man, we had one where there was a hen like right on top of us. Like as soon as we set up and had birds gobbling, and the, it it was like I mean, like I said, it was it was really exciting to see Frank tight string like that, and uh, just just didn't happen. And then, um, the last weekend of the season. So that was the weekend prior to the last week. And last weekend of the season was Memorial day weekend. Um, and so I camp actually on a property where I can also hunt. And, um, one of our friends has a 13 year old, um, guy who is really super into hunting, just like me last year. Um, he had already killed a Turkey. So he was like, well, I just want to go out there with you and like, we'll try and film it and and whatever. So he, he did that last year. And then this year, um, he hadn't killed the Turkey yet. And he, I I like to think that I encouraged him last year because uh, for every day up until the last day of the season last year, I went out just with my bow. And so he had killed this Turkey with a, with a gun. And this year he was going after him with a bow. So, um, (laughs) He had actually earlier in the season had opportunity to kill a couple of jakes, but he was waiting and he was hunting with his bow at that time. So uh, to me, that's, that's really cool. But, uh, especially at 13, I mean, that, that shows some, yeah, the first day we got these birds and they were at like 150 yards. They were 
we set up on one side of the field where all the birds were last year and it, they came out on the other side of the field and we watched him for almost two hours. And he's like, Oh, if I had my shotgun, I would just belly crawl out there. And it was getting, you know, about breakfast time. So it was like, you know, I mean, it just was, do it. <laughs> it. I was like, well, if you want to belly crawl, I think you could probably do it if you get out here. Cause I mean, we, we were sitting in a tent and we were moving around talking and the weeds, if you look at the picture on Instagram, there's like high, like goldenrod or whatever, like the yellow flowery stuff sporadically through this field. And, uh, I'm like, I think you can do it. And so he just got out and started belly crawling and he had his camera and I had my camera. So I was videoing him with one camera and I was videoing the turkeys with the other camera. So it was really, really cool for me to see, you know, and he's, he's belly crawling and then I would lose him for a few minutes. And all of a sudden I just see a head pop up. Well, before that, um, and this was a group of like, I'd say like five Jakes or so. And there was a couple hens in there. And they had run this one Jake right off. I mean, he had come out of this other field and they just ran him right off. And he went screaming by us. Well, he had spun back around and was going to try and get over there before they run him off again. And he was 37 yards. I ranged him. I had the camera on both of them. And he's like, no, I just want to wait. I don't want to shoot that far. And then he belly crawls up there as close as he was going to get. And it was probably... It was probably about 40 yards. And that's, a, that's the picture I sent on Instagram. You know, he's, I got him drawn back. I got the whole, I tried to get the turkeys in the frame. I zoomed out as far as I could. And it was like, it was like Robin Hood. Like he didn't, he didn't really anchor. He didn't, he was like so excited. And I, I kind of did the same thing last year. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, you just get, you get to that point where you're like, okay, well, this is, this is going to be my opportunity. And, uh, he shot and missed and, you know, just to see like, cause I have it all on video, you know, so like to be able to see, like, he's just like smiling and he like throws his hat down and he's like, man, if I would have hit that Turkey, it would have been the, the best hunt of my life, you know? And it's like, <laughs> how cool is that, you know, to be able to, Hey, you know, here's a kid, you know, 13 years old, whatever, belly crawling across the open field to shoot a Turkey with his bow. Right. You know, that, that to me is like, I, I, I guess I feel like, you know, he's, hell, he's probably a better hunter than I am, you know, cause that's, <laughs> I don't think that's something I would do, but I mean, at, at 13, and I think like even, I mean, you weren't that young, but like when you shot your turkey with the bow, like you were trying, you were carrying your tent around while you were in it and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, you know, just to think about, you know, being that age and being that like, I guess like not set in your ways. You know, we talked to Zach before and he's like, well, what do you got to lose? You know, just go try this, try that, whatever. There's, there's more deer, there's more turkeys, there's more, more everything. And so we went out the, the next couple of days and had turkeys going, but couldn't, couldn't get anything going. The next day he tried the, the old sneak attack on him and that didn't work. And then <laughs> last day of the season again, um, I told him cause he brought his shotgun and we set up on the other side of the field and I, I said, well, if you're going to have the gun, you're going to have the camera. And I had my bow and they were at 85 yards. That was as close as they got. And 
couldn't couldn't get him to come any closer. So, but it it was it was fun. I mean, it was like I said, different type tactics. But you know, John, uh, he talked about you know getting out and he was trying his gear out, um, you know, at the Bowman's Club and doing that. Well, I had all my my hunting gear. I had all the Badland stuff on, and I had the the Nomad and Hex suit and all that stuff. And that's the hex suit. I didn't get close enough really to any turkeys to really tell. I mean, I know that the turkeys that, that were there, they weren't, I mean, the one with the closest it was, was 37. Um, it didn't really care that we were there, but neither did the other ones. I don't, I don't know that it, I don't, I don't have like an opinion on whether it worked or it well, didn't work. This morning, the, when I got to the Bowman's club, there's always a flock of turkeys there. And sure enough, I pulled up and I could, as I was pulling in, I could see them out in the back. They were feeding right by all the bales. So I had my ex suit on and of course I didn't have a head face mask or nothing. And I just come walking up the sidewalk and they were, I mean, right there. So I just started walking slow and you know, if I would have done that before without anything, I mean, soon as they seen any movement, they would have, you know, their heads just, and they bolt the one like, moved its head and kind of looked at me, you know, like it noticed something, but then it started eating again. So then I took another step and then another one looked, you know, and I could see that they were getting nervous, but they didn't run yet. So I took like two more steps and then like the third and fourth one, you know, then they're all like at alert, but it was like the, the furthest one started to run. So it was actually, I mean, Oh, those birds see a lot of people at the Bowman's Club. They're pretty used to them. But, I mean, like I said, I've walked out there before. And as soon as they've seen, you know, me take one step, they're all running. And today they, you know, they didn't run right away. I mean, I just, I don't know, I was just slowly stepping. Maybe if I would have had my face mask on. But, you know, I didn't have gloves or anything else on either. So, you know, walk out with a big, bright, white, red face. Yeah. And so I think it, it definitely, it works, but it, like you were talking before we started, you know, it definitely doesn't breathe. I mean, no, you know, yeah. So, so that's, that's what I was going to get into is like, so I, I got that Badlands, um, you know, after contacting Badlands and saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And those were the pants and that was the setup that they, they had recommended to me. Well, the pants, uh, I've got nothing but good things to say. I took them fishing, got rained on, didn't get wet. Um, I took them out in the snow, didn't get wet. They seemed to breathe pretty well. Um, the last day that we hunted, I just wore those. I didn't wear the hex suit because it doesn't breathe well is maybe an overstatement. I think it doesn't breathe at all. <laughs> so it was... I don't know the Saturday morning when we hunted, it was approaching 90 degrees when we were coming in. And with that hex suit on, it was like, just like saran wrap to me and just, just not, not pleasant. Um, and I was wearing the, the nomad, they make like a cooling shirt, like a long sleeve shirt. And, uh, that's, that's been really good. The only thing I don't like about that shirt and if I, you know, 
if, if I were to talk to the people at Nomad, is there's a seam that goes right across your shoulder blades, and it's like almost like mesh below that. Well, that seam is like quadruple stitched, and it's really rough. So and you it's feel not, that. Yeah. It's a wear in a pack or anything like that. You're going to get a hot spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, it, that was not good. Um, but everything that I've been using is is I've been really happy with. And uh, John talked about his quiver. Well, I just got, again, said it a million times on here. I'm cheap. Like, <laughs> I mean, $100 or, or more for a quiver is like, I just don't know. Maybe it's great. Whatever. And it also seems like really, um, I don't know, cliche or like, well, you got to have a tight spot quiver. It's just what it is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so I, and I, I understand why they do that because it locks down on there and it doesn't rattle. You can move it in to the bow. Everything is, I mean, you can, it's an awesome product. Yeah. Right? What, what's super nice about that is that you can tune it to balance your bow. So not only can you slide it in, you know, hence the tight spot, slide it in tight to your bow. So you, you get that, you know, sitting way out and it's pulling the bow off to the, you know, your, your quiver side, but you can also, the mounting bracket that mounts to your sight plate is it's got like rounded holes. So you can, once you get your quiver loaded, you know, in your heads at your, with your hunting arrows and all that, you can, you can rotate the quiver front to back, you know, like, so you can oscillate it forward or back to try to get the balance that you need to. So it might look a little wonky, like, and I've seen them before on TV, like that dude's quiver's all cockeyed. Why is his arrows like it, you know, pointing funny? Well, it's to balance the bow as you. And as you were just showing me tonight, it won't get in the way of other, your other components because on your bow with the, whatever that down cable or whatever it is. Yeah. What's the, what's on the, yeah, now you got me the little the lever for the drop drop away rest that goes down to the it's the limb driven it's the little arm that comes off the back side well that was one of the things when i first put it on there i i was looking at it and i'm like and i put it on and i had clearance and then i went to shoot well i didn't realize it's the first shot well i drew back and the lever arm come up and it hit one of the the struts on the on the quiver itself so it didn't allow my my rest to come all the way up. Well, so all I had to do then is I could just rotate it forward a little bit, you know, the bottom. So at that point, then my, the bottom part of my quiver or the, my fletchings will be a little bit closer or away from me. So it'll be tipped back. So then it'll have all the clearance I need. So that's, what's really nice. Like my old quiver, it's just going to be there. So, and, but that's the thing. It sticks so far out. Well, then we start, we just weighed them up with my, my quiver with full my arrows was one pound, was 16 ounces. So you put a pound on the side of your bow and you start getting it the farther out you get, the more leverage it's got, it's drawing that bow. So now you're going to have to, if you're going to want to balance your bow, then you have to put a side rod on it and start putting more weight. So now you're, you're talking more weight, more weight, more weight when we're trying to shave weight. So it's it's definitely, 
I'm happy I got it. It was expensive. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, as a whitetail hunter or like whatever, you might look at it and say, well, this is really gimmicky or overpriced or like whatever. Well, out west when you're you're stalking with your quiver, when you're hunting with your with your quiver on the bow and you got to carry it around, um, all those things are kind of almost paramount like you you have to you have to figure out how to do it right so me always looking for a cheaper alternative or like to say well i don't know whatever um i found this one it's a trophy ridge uh light lock and if you want to talk about gimmicky it's really gimmicky it's got a light on it it's got a like a LED light, like where you can use the end of the quiver as like a flashlight and it's green light and then there's a light inside of the housing. Well, you know, if we're going to use it when I go out west, that's illegal. You know, it, albeit just a little dinky light, nothing electronic on the bow. So comes off with two screws. We didn't even do anything. That's the first thing we did when we took it out of the box was take the, the LEDs out of it. Um, and then what it does is it's, Similar to the tight spot is it's, you can move it in and out, but it just, um, it has the same mounting bracket as the, like a, just the regular trophy ridge. And like an octane, it's a two pin, basically like a cam lock. You drop it in the top and then you rotate it in from the back and then it clips in. And it's super tight. Like out of the box, it is incredibly tight like i i thought like it was I, either i was going to break it or i was doing it wrong i could, could not figure it out like how it was going on there now john said you said that's similar to the one that came on jets yeah it's an octane that's what comes on like the um infinite the diamonds you know or like even it might even came on like your your Botech, the the rack system mm-hmm. but yeah so it's it's a similar two pin but it does have that the two pins that are actually on the quiver are mounted on that dovetail bracket, so you can slide it. It is adjustable, so you can get it tighter to your bow. Yeah. So so we put that on over the weekend and got it mounted up, and I shot all the all the shooting we were doing when we were changing the sights and everything I was doing was with the quiver on, and to this point, um, it's really solid. No vibration, nothing like that. Um, John had brought up, and just because of his experience with that style of a quiver, that it could have the propensity, if it's on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, that that could loosen up and cause vibration and cause problem. Um, And that's certainly, uh, you know, a concern, or I guess it's something to to keep keep an eye on. Uh, But that quiver I bought, for $45. So you could buy three more yeah. or two more, <laughs> but it is a little heavier than mine. Yep. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's slightly heavier, but his bracket is going to be heavier than the one that's on the bow. I think and they're within what? They were an ounce. Up. They were an ounce. An ounce Empt- up. Empty. They were one ounce. So mine was, um, 16 no no yours was nine and a half ounces oh okay yeah and yours was 11 actually so 
Yeah, two ounces. Oh, two ounces heavier. You know, so then, you know, you're loading up, load them up. Mine was one pound. Yeah, and mine was 17, 17 ounces. ounces. because I have heavy arrows. Yeah. So that. And they're both five quiver sights. That one um, is kind of odd. What they did is they like skeletonized the. Five arrow quiver. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like five quiver arrows, whatever. Yeah, so, but the, what they did is they skeletonized the the housing where your arrows go and the, the, where the broadheads go rather. And that may be good or bad. I mean, that I could see that getting all full of well, all sorts of other stuff. They also, yours is like the, it's got the two contact point or actually three. So it, I mean, it definitely holds them. That's, this is actually like probably where you're getting extra weight too, but putting it in my experience with these, is it's kind of a it's kind of a pain because you got to put it in and click it, click it, you know, mm-hmm. where the tight spot yeah. is a single. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say too. Is the one thing I think that tight spot has done really, really well, um, and why it's good for kind of what we're doing out west is that that first arrow releases re- releases you. towards you. You don't have to pull it out perpendicular to the bow. It actually comes in basically parallel to the bow, so you can just you know, you don't have to make any big additional movements. Right. You can keep that the whole in the body, you know, in the frame of your body. So, like, you pull that arrow out and then slide it in. So, yeah, I was originally, you know, I was trying to do all, you know, Hoyt, Hoyt, Hoyt. And I looked at, I was going to get one of the new carbon Hoyt. And I was I looked at the price. And I'm like, yeah, no way. I'm not paying 259 for a quiver. And there's like, it didn't have the adjustability of the tight spot. And they said, one of the things, you know, you, you kind of get on me cause I'm a certain specific, well, cause I, I researched the stuff and it's like, there's a reason why these guys are all using, you know, whether they're shooting a prime or a Hoyt or a PSE, like most of the guys you see out there are using a tight spot quiver. So, you know, you read the reviews and stuff and that's, I was like, well, I'm going to spend the money. I spend the money on the bow. I'm going to spend the money on the quiver. So that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, like I say, it's always for me is like, well, I, uh, I mean, that $250 Hoyt quiver, it's like the bow that I'm shooting was $300. (laughs) So, I mean, granted I got it, you know, a deal on it, but still. It, that's hard to. Oh, that's hard. I mean, that's expensive for a freaking quiver. <laughs> I mean, but it, that being said, you know, everything that I've been doing with the, you know, out hunting and shooting and, and whatever is like trying to test all this stuff. I think, I think that's one thing that we're doing a, a fairly good job at is not, you know, planning for this, planning for this trip. It's not, like taking any of it lightly it's this is going to be a real test of both our ourselves and our equipment right and so it's it's all relative right so you can go out there and train your body and get out there and your gear fails so you have a terrible 
<laughs> trip or you can go out there and have the best gear that money can buy and be able to shoot a mile and do all the stuff. But if you're not in shape, then, you know, unless they just come cruising past the truck, well, that's not going to happen either. Right. <laughs> or you kind of half ass it on both things and you end up like the guy from into the wild where you shoot this animal and it all comes crashing down because you don't know how to get it out of there. You, you know, and it's all, all right. your trip is miserable because you can't get your, your game out. Right. And so I think that we're, we're doing our best to kind of make sure all this is dialed in. Yeah. On some level, it may seem like right now we're just saying, okay, well, we've got this, the total archery challenge. And so we're going to showcase how, you know, we can shoot out to these distances, but you know, there's a reason why the Drewries and John Dudley and, you know, all these guys that hunt professionally or, or whatever, they shoot campaigns, shoots at 150 yards or whatever, because that makes that 40 yard shot seem like a pot shot. Right. I mean, they say whatever you, whatever your max range is, double it, practice at that. So then when you go, so if your max range is 40, shoot at 80, you know, I like in my yard, I have, you know, I can shoot 111 right now from the road, but my main target that I shoot at is back there. I shoot, it's like 52 or 60 yards. It's like, I don't hardly ever go up. I'm, very rarely do I go up and shoot 20. Only time I do that is like if I'm, when I'm sighting my bow and if I'm going up and I need to get my 20 yard pin or my 20 yard mark, then I'll do a walk back. If you see me grab my bow and walk out of the garage, I walk out, I walk over to the spot by the tree and it's 53 yards. And I, I mean, that's just like my baseline. Then I walk back from there. Like that's my warm up. I don't even warm up at, but you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to go out there and, and shoot at an elk at a hundred, you know, a hundred, no way ever. Maybe if, maybe if I shot an elk at, 40 yards and it ran out and I knew it was like wounded, but a bad hit. Sure. I might fling an arrow just cause if I can, if I know I got to pin at that, if I got to mark that distance, yeah, I'm going to fling an arrow at it. Cause it's not going to hurt. But also if you've never shot at that distance, right. That, that doesn't even, you know. Right. So yeah. So like if you're standing there in this elk, say it goes out 80 or 90 yards and you're like, well, sh I've never shot that fire before. Well, for us, you know, we're not going out there with an intention and, oh, there's a elk at 100 yards, fling an arrow at it. No way in hell. But in, the, but we're going out and we're practicing, we're shooting at these targets with the Total Archery Challenge. That's like, to me, it's like a perfect gear review or a gear test. We're going to go up there and I'm sure, I mean, last year we've seen guys doing that. Well, and that's one of the things like, so I only shot last year on, on Sunday. So we had been up there, or maybe I shot Saturday, Saturday. but I, we had been up there camping. And so you were camping in Traverse city. So you come over across yeah. where we were. At. So, I, and it was funny because we, I don't know, we were, I was talking about it earlier before we started the podcast, but it was like, I don't even know how I found out about it. And I like, as soon as I heard about it, I got a hold of John and they were signed up before 
Like I, I even like got off the phone with them, it seemed like. And so they were up there for the whole weekend and it, I didn't think I was going to be able to go. I just ended up being able to go out there for the one day. But I, we got up there and A, I didn't know what I was getting myself into because it was like way bigger than anything that I had expected. And then there were guys that were like in like full camo, full packs, all sorts of stuff. And I was like, why would you do that? And now here a year later is like, well, you got to try your stuff out. I mean, right. there's you you have to be able to to yeah. say like I know that this is going to work in this situation. Now, it's maybe not the exact same conditions, but it's probably about as close as you're going to get, especially exactly. being here in Michigan. Yeah, that's the that's the closest that we're going to get to a true life test, you know, before we get out there. You know, the guys that live out there and they do their, you know, mountain hikes and test their gear camp gear you know like aaron snyder and all those i mean they're fortunate that they can do that for us this is as close as we're going to get and we're out flinging arrows so you know we get to walk the mountain test out our gear so we're going to be one of those guys i, I plan on like i'm going to be full camo just because those are the like the pants that's the shirt i got the threadborn under armor which i wore the you know when i went to the club matter of fact i walked in after i got on shooting the one round on sunday and the local guys that are there every day <clears throat> every morning i walk in and they all look at me like what are you hunting <laughs> i'm like i'm testing out my elk gear because i had you know i have full camo ridge reaper forest and i had my bino harness on and had my well, orange crispies but <laughs> But the, you know they're looking at me like, "What? What the hell are you doing, son?" <laughs> so that's one of the things I think about now shooting those distances again. You know, we talk about knowing your equipment and things like that, and you know, setting up Frank's bow tonight. It's it's funny how things always come full circle because you know I remember Frank always telling me, you know, make a good shot. How does it look? <laughs> And he's usually the one that's doing that sort of stuff for me. Well, tonight it was like, all right, well, you're you're punching the trigger, all right? This is what you need to do. Like, here's where you put it on your finger and all that stuff. Make you know, make a good shot. Okay, that one looked good. And then, you know, we we go back and we shot all the way out to sixty. And last year, Frank was having a really hard time seeing the target. Um, you know, so equipment has changed. Um, he's had surgery on his eyes and he's seeing a whole lot better, but you know, we're out there at 60 and I'm like, all right, so this time make sure that you level your bubble, like make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're peeping your scope, line up and level your bubble and then just make a good shot. And it kind of goes back to the podcast that we had with Walt, but those are the things that you should already be telling yourself in your head. Right. And so when you're shooting at such long distances where any little bit of collapse could be six feet one way or the other, or, you know, it, I, when I was, I was pulling his arrows and I told Frank, all right, go back there, range it, change your tape. <laughs> because that, that happened last year too, where, you know, the kid that was hunting with us, we shot like a hundred and then we went up and shot 60 and the arrow went, it's probably still going. I mean, it went <laughs> way over the target. There was no way that we were finding it. And so it's, it's those situations where you're not even thinking about it in like terms of a hunting scenario, but the more you do that and, you know, that's one thing that I've, 
starting shooting those distances before I went out there last year, it changed my outlook on shooting. It let me know, like, I always knew that there was a level on there, but I was like, well, it's it's a circle. So it's, what does level have to do with, you know? (laughs) Right. There's there's not an up or a down. It's in the center of the circle. Right. (laughs) But then it all goes into the whole cant of the bow and you're in the level line. You know, because it's basically that bubble is level. It's telling you that that sight's plumb to your hand. You know, as you can't that hand over, now you're changing that. You're, it's changing the whole trajectory off of that. So, and that's actually how like um, some of the like the world archery or the the target shooters, target archers that are shooting the field archery, they're long distance and they're in the wind. You talking about them? Quarter bubble, Quarter half bubble, bubble, half bubble. So that they've shot so much and they've in the wind that they know. Okay, there's like a a ten mile an hour crosswind. Okay, I know if I give it a quarter bubble, I'm going to be right in where I want to be. So it's just it's just knowing your equipment, shooting a lot. You know, like tonight I was out there shooting before you got here, and the neighbor guy come over and you know the new he's new and he's like yeah. I I sit on my tailgate in my truck and I hear I hear and then twack you know so he's like you know that's that's an amazing you know hundred how far is that I'm like well it's one hundred and eleven right now just because I'm trying to get a tape to shoot at that for the darn truck which I would love to win but you know that's like not gonna happen I don't I'm not getting my hopes up but but I. You know, I can hit my bag, you know, 95% of the time. But it's just because practice. I go out there and I try to shoot it every day, at least one round, you know, weather permitting. But Or like like this morning, I shot a, I shot a ton of arrows this morning. Then Chris came over and worked with him getting his bow and then working with his form, trying to get him just to be consistent. And then... You know, I shot some more, and then now my shoulder is just freaking killing me. But get out there and practice, get comfortable. Then when you walk up, and then when, like, during hunting season, it's just like a, there's no doubt. You know, deer comes in at 20 yards, it feels like it's it's just, it's a gimme. But but then there's other factors that... (laughs) But yeah. the one thing I know is that I know I can, my shit's in order, so. Yeah, I think, you know, it goes back to, like, what we're doing, just, you know, not necessarily, like, leaving no stone unturned, but going out, getting the information, and then trying trying to utilize every little bit that we can. Um, I think that's why it's been great for this has been able to reach out to people and talk to different people about all of the, you know, the, the experiences that we've not had. And I don't necessarily want to talk to people about all the things that went right. I would rather learn about all the things that went wrong. Like what lessons did you learn? What, what things would you do better next time? What, what was, you know, and I think that that's a lot of the reason why I love doing this podcast is being able to say like, look, look, 
this is what we did wrong. This is, this is, this is, you know. Was it Joe that talked about following the mule deer for two days? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're on fresh uh, elk scat. No, that was the mule deer. But, I mean, realistically, if you don't go out and have a guide or or something like that, it's like. How are you going to know? You you would have no idea. And um, so I'm I'm really excited about that. And so I think on that vein, you know, we're going to be up at the total archery challenge from Thursday to Sunday, John and those guys aren't leaving until Monday. And, um, I'm going to be volunteering at the total archery challenge, the Michigan Backcountry country hunters and anglers booth on Friday, um, from four to six and I'll be there. And then we're going to be at the after party on Saturday. Um, uh, so if anybody's listening and you're going to be up there, um, definitely if you see one of us go up and say hi and, you know, we're, we just want to talk about hunting. You know, right. that's, that's kind of, it's kind of our thing, I guess. But, um, we're also staying in one of the condos right down by the practice range, right? Yeah. Just down in, there's a complex of condos down there. So we're in one that's fairly close. We're going to have the Bowman's club banner up. So the Muskegon Bowman's club, it's a big white and green banner, uh, we might have a big Budweiser banner up if we don't, you know, get kicked out for that. <laughs> and then there's, we got a couple of, there's like a Excel banner and a QAD. If we can get them up somewhere just so that people can see it. And we're going to have, we're going to try to do something kind of cool. Have some. Yeah. So, um, on our, uh, Instagram, I think we're going to try and do a bunch of, um, stuff on our story, like as we go up there. Um, but I think behind that banner, I'm going to put a cooler with some beers back there. If you're, um, you know, over 21, if you're not, they didn't come from us. Um, <laughs> you didn't hear that. Um, but I think we're going to put a cooler back there with some beer and then I'm going to have a box with, um, we've got, we had some shirts made up that, uh, we're going to put a few of those in there. Um, the guys from death by gave us a bunch of shirts and and some hat, a hat and some stuff to give away. Um, so I'll put some of that stuff in there. Um, I've got a bunch of like leftover stuff from the bow hunter box clubs. Um, I'm just going to have like a, a grab box back there. And, uh, you know, when we get done at the end of the day, um, we're just going to be grilling out over at our, at our condo. So we're going to try and be, be out there or whatever. So near that banner, if you see, if you see us out there, you know, stop by and say hi and we'll, you know, we just, we'd love to, to meet you for sure. Um, yeah, we're going to have the old Engel cooler out there. So support Engel. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then if you're not, you know, if you're not going to be up there, uh, but you are, you are listening, um, I'm going to do a giveaway for some of those shirts. Um, so I'm not sure the best way to do that. We'll probably do another, uh, giveaway, but this time we'll do it on Instagram. So just, um, check out our Instagram, and uh, I'll put something up there uh, for our shirts. Um, at this time, we've only got large and extra large. All the other sizes are gone. So, um, but I'll, I'll put some pictures of those up. There's a few pictures of them floating around here. Or there, you may have may have caught them. Um, but yeah, we're going to be up there all weekend and uh, trying to do a little bit of podcasting while we're up there. We don't have a booth or anything like that, but um, we're definitely going to try and make our presence known and um, certainly stop up and, and, and see us. Yeah. I'll probably end up hanging out with you on Friday as you, you know, volunteer, just 
depending on what's going on with everything else. So, so. yeah, so look for us. We'll be at the, the BHA booth uh, from 4 to 6 um, on Friday. And then they're also doing a um, a hike to hunt oh. on uh, Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do that as well. That's like at 6 in the I morning. I think that's at 6 in the morning. Yeah. I don't know if they've said where they're going to meet or any any of that sort of information. So I'll um, I'll get a hold of Jason, the president of the BHA, and see if I can figure out some of that information. I'll, I'll put that up. But definitely follow along for our story. And uh, if you're up there, um, stop by behind the, the at least the Muskegon Bowman's banner, and uh, there should be some, some stuff out there for you. So I think that's pretty much all we got for today. Um, so, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we hope to see you up there. All right. See ya.